Welcome to Real Talk with the Queen's Home Team, where we talk about life, business, and everything related to the New York City real estate market. Here is this week's episode. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Real Talk with QHT. I am your co-host, Daniel Ackerman, here with my co-host, George Herrera, team owner of the QHT. What's up, everybody? And uh, we, this is a channel where we talk about life, business, and everything related to the New York City real estate market. And what we're talking about today is basically the 2020 wrap-up. So looking back at the 2020 market to see what happened. Obviously, 2020 was a very special and interesting year, right? Mm -hmm. To say the least. To say the least. We uh, got rocked by a worldwide pandemic with the coronavirus. And obviously, that had significant impacts across the economy, mm -hmm. uh, relating to business, uh, across life. Everybody's uh, life was turned upside down. Totally. Staying inside and some people, unfortunately, getting sick. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, those things extend to the real estate market as well. Yeah. And so the real estate market had some, some impacts. And we're going to look at what happened in the market and kind of connect the dots between coronavirus and what was going on in the market, right, George? Yeah, we're going to do our best here to interpret the data. We're going to geek out here with some stats a little, and um, we're going to try to make sense of all these numbers and yeah, see what happens. absolutely. And there are a lot of numbers, so stick with us, um, but we'll try and make it as clear and concise as, uh, as possible. So, George, where do you want to start? All right. So whenever we look at a real estate market report um, and we look at the stats, we're really trying to get an idea of... You know, we, we're taking together all of the data, which is usually closed sales. Um, we're looking at the um, median price. Okay. Closed sales, median price. We're looking at inventory. We're looking at month supply. We're factoring in interest rates, right? Okay. Um, so now for this show, because we're at the beginning of the year, we want to go back and look at all of 2020. And so we want to compare that to all of 2019. So all the stats that we're going to be talking about here are 2020 data compared to all of 2019 data. So it gives okay. us the whole year over year with seasonality taken into account. I see. So we're going to be comparing the two years so we can see just what an impact uh, 20 like what, yes. what what happened in 2020 compared to the previous year because that's kind of more of a benchmark it's yeah. a more of a normal year and instead of taking a quarter versus another quarter or quarter year over year when you do the whole year it really gives you a full uh a full gauge a good sense of where the market is because it takes into account all of the seasons got it right got it all right so the first thing we start with is closed sales so here we're talking about in in 2020 uh, closed sales in Queens, in all of Queens, for residential co-op and condo compared to 2019 sales. So sales for uh, residential properties were down 19.5%. So is this the actual prices or the number of sales that happened? The number. So this is the number of transactions, the okay. number of closed transactions. Okay. So it was down almost 20%. Down almost 20%. And when we say residential, we're talking one to four family homes. Okay. Right? Um, Condo sales were down 28.4%. Wow. Okay. And then co-op sales were down 27%. Okay. So what do you, what do you uh, take from that, hearing those numbers? I mean, for those of you who are not in real estate full-time, those are significant, significant Changes. drops. Those yeah. are big, big drops. Um, I mean, normally you might see 
a, a drop of two, three percent, maybe. And when there's a like a, a downswing in the market, yeah, maybe five, you know, but uh-huh. 19 to 28 yeah. percent across the different categories that's huge. Um, I mean, what I take from that is just that, uh, it was. You know, obviously we were shut down for a while. Yep. So that was going to have and an that, impact on how many how many homes could actually sell because the buyers couldn't go out and yeah. the buyers couldn't actually go and look at the homes. And that even happened with us with our own right. business. Our our transactions were down, but we still reached all our goals. We were still doing business, uh, but because of those two three months that we were shut down, it did you know nothing happened during those two or three months. Right. It was all delayed, and so those properties will most likely close in the first quarter of this year right so we might see an uptick in sales in this this first quarter well and 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 that kind of tracks because uh three months is 25 percent of the year yeah and that's right in line with what's going on here this is a whole quarter's worth of sales that are that are missing yeah i mean it's not to say that that it's all delayed i mean there was a big shift in demand Mm -hmm. last year and when this whole pandemic happened, you hear it on the news, shift uh, the flight to the suburbs and people right. were leaving. Um, we were getting a lot of calls, selling houses to people, uh, selling their apartments, selling their houses here and moving out of state or moving to the suburbs, Long Island, New Jersey, Westchester, upstate. So um, that's that's definitely one of the factors. That's why the sales were down so much is because you had a lot of people leaving. Uh, fortunately, towards the end of the year, we saw things pick back up, and yeah. and it looks like you know the worst of that is behind us. But there was some time there where sales dropped big time. Interesting. What do you make of the fact that so there's differences between these categories, right? So residential, which is those one to four family, mm-hmm. dropped nineteen and a half percent, which is a lot. Yeah. But condo and co-op dropped significantly more. You're talking about yes. twenty eight and twenty seven percent. So maybe talk a little bit about that. I think I mean, and this is we were we were actually experiencing this at firsthand. We were selling co-ops and condos last year, and we were not getting a lot of activity. And when we were talking to buyers, um, there was buyers that did not want to live in a building. I mean, that, you know, usually you have a lot of people who are looking for co-ops. You have people who want to be by the train, Mm -hmm. who want to be close to the city. Right. Um, And last year it just upended everything. And now being near the train was not so desirable being in a building was not so desirable. Being in an elevator building was not desirable. Uh, you know, so yeah, it totally changed everything. I think a lot of the co-op buyers last year, the people who fleed, I think the those, you know, most co-ops in Queens go for in the 300s, let's say, average. And, and so that's a starter home in some neighborhoods. Yeah. And I think we had some people that just fleet and bought a starter home somewhere. I mean, I as you know, I experienced this firsthand with a co-op oh, yeah. that we had listed in Briarwood. It was That's a great right. co-op, beautiful apartment, lots of features, had a, a balcony, great views, three bedrooms, very spacious. Yeah. It was reasonably priced yeah. and we, we couldn't sell it. Yeah. Uh, and when we looked at the numbers, the maintenance was a little higher in this building and what we realized was that for the monthly cost that people were spending on this apartment, people could buy a seven hundred or six hundred thousand dollar house. Yeah, for sure. And so, given what was going on, it we kind of made the inference that mm-hmm. okay, these people are probably looking at houses instead yes. of 
co-ops or condos, and that's yeah. probably why we see that co- that co-op and condo sales were down even more yep. than than house sales. Yeah, I mean, for the good news is that like for all of the co-ops that we did list last year, we got we got them all sold, and they're all scheduled to close this year. So um, we got all of our listings closed and sold, which is good. That's good. Um, they did take a little bit longer. So yeah. sellers and homeowners, co-op owners that we're meeting with this year. Uh, the main expectation to have, you know, the prices aren't drastically lower or anything. Some neighborhoods, they're down, but the the change in price is not as significant as the change in days on market. Right. So it might just take a little bit longer to a find longer. your buyer, but but you'll find your buyer as long as you have a nice unit and as long as you're priced well. Got it. Uh, just right. one, one quick side note, uh, just for everybody out there who's listening or watching, the data that we're talking about was pulled from the the uh, Long Island MLS. Yes. So yeah. this is Queens-specific numbers. Yep. Um, it, it doesn't... These aren't Manhattan numbers or Brooklyn numbers, but Brooklyn and Manhattan had similar... Um, had experienced similar effects in Manhattan, yeah. maybe even more severe for yeah. co-ops and condos. Probably. So, yeah. but I just wanted to mention that so people okay. are clear. What's so next, overall, George? for Queens, sales down twenty-three percent, pretty much. But wow. we broke it down by property type for you. Okay. Next, we have the median price in Queens. So, for those who don't know and haven't taken a math class since yeah. high school, median price is the middle one, right? So, so it's you not have the average. Not the average, right? So, and most economists say that the median price gives you a better gauge, right? Because averages, you know, a, a two million dollar house can throw off all the numbers, right. right? So, with the median price, you take the whole list of sales, and it's the one smack in the middle, right? So, it's That's, more indicative of where the the majority of sales are happening. Yes, yeah, and so we're looking at here for all of 2020 okay. compared to all of 2019. The change in the median price. So for all of Queens, all property types taken into account, the price, uh, the median price in Queens was up six percent. Really? Okay. So it was up six percent as a whole, and um, you know, for any other area in the country, that would be considered really good. For Queens, we've had years with. 14, 16% year over year median price increase. So that's actually for us is getting to a, like a stable um, uh, price uh, market. But for residential homes, when you dig deeper, residential one to four family homes, the median price for a residential house in Queens was pretty much unchanged. It was just up uh, from 757000 to 760000 So like 0.01%. Okay. So, so very modest. Very modest. Not a big change. Yeah. Um, now, when we look at condos, the, the median price for a condo in Queens was up 2%. Also very modest there. And then for co-ops, the uh, price was up 2.3%. Got so it. overall, when you break it down by property type, you can see that um, there wasn't a and and expectedly so right where there wasn't a huge jump in prices and nobody was expecting that yeah. you know so at least we didn't have a a big drop I mean there are neighborhoods who that went down but overall uh, prices seem to be pretty flat yeah yeah it looks that way and um, so yeah so prices for all of Queens were were pretty flat in 2020 um, the next thing we look at is pending sales. So this one is important because we just pulled up Q4 and what we looked at it was fourth quarter. Yes, the fourth quarter of 2020 the pending sales cuz this is worth noting. So obviously 
in the second quarter. That was prime pandemic time. Yeah, everything was Sales shut down. Just yeah, plummeted. And then the third quarter was the flight to the suburbs quarter. That's where everybody was fleeing. So sales again plummeted. But in the fourth quarter, this is where we were going to find out, are we going to have a V-shaped recovery or is it just going to continue and we're going to go into a deep buyer's market? But pending sales in Queens in the fourth quarter were up 30% for all of Queens. For residential homes, they were up 24%. For condos, they were up 27%. And for co-ops, they were up 47%. That's interesting. So that kind of, I mean, that tells me we had the, you know, people came back. Yeah. And uh, or something else, you know, we were hearing about price wars and the prices going so crazy in the suburbs that some people were probably just like, forget that. Yeah. I'm just going to go back, find a an apartment in Queens. Yeah, you know? I mean, there's it's it's hard to determine exactly what what those numbers describe, but there's those are definitely a couple of scenarios. And the yeah. other one that I can think of is that in that fourth quarter, if you look at that fact that the co-op um, pending sales went up forty seven percent, it's possible also that a lot of renters finally took advantage of low interest rates and decided, you know what. Prices are low. Let me jump into home ownership here and, and and buy a buy a co-op. That's true. And actually, in that fourth quarter, I think that's when the rates went to their they went to like their lowest the twos that yeah. everybody was getting a mortgage yeah. in the in the mid twos, and you know that's unheard of. So, right. And people had the uh, stimulus. Our savings rate in the country, you know, hit new highs. So yeah, yeah, you're right. I think you probably did have people actually pulling the trigger and yeah. buying. We don't know these things for sure. These are just theories, of yeah. course, because you know this is just statistic, and then we have to try to make the most. That's why you're tuned in it. here, so That's you can right. hear our uh, That's right. you can our hear brainstorming, our, our brainstorming, <laughs> our, our professional uh, evaluation of, yes. of what's going on. But no, these are these are the things that we talk about, you know, and think about. Okay, you know, that's our job, right? It's not yeah. the job of a buyer or a seller to analyze the market on a daily basis. That's our job. That's why people yes. hire us. Yeah, yeah, for is sure. For our expertise and for our experience, and to know, okay, well. That's a number, but what does this number actually mean? Yes, you yeah. know, and so you know, th- those are those are some possible and, I mean, explanations. And this tracks with what we were seeing, right? Mm-hmm. Because when everything halted and people were fleeing, activity did drop off. Yeah, our sure. listings were getting less calls, less activity. But in that fourth quarter, things started to move again. Yeah. So that usually shows you. So that's the pending sales. Now, the last thing that we look at, which is the best gauge for a market, is month supply and inventory. Right. So month supply is the gauge that we use as realtors to measure supply and demand. Let's right? let's break it down for yeah. our listeners and viewers how we actually calculate month supply. Yes. So okay, so month supply, the way that you break it down, right? It's it's um so it's it, this is probably sounding a little bit uh you know uh realtor lingo. So we'll <laughs> okay. try to break it down. But it's the amount how many number of months of inventory do you have on the market? So that's your month supply. The way we come up with that number is we look at how many properties have sold within the last six months, and then you divide that total number by six. It gives you an average number, right? Mm -hmm. So a rate of sales. How many properties on average have sold, have been selling every month? So if, just as an example, if in the last six months, Mm -hmm. 
60 we, sales, let's We say. had 60 sales. That's mm-hmm. 10 sales a month, yes. right? And then if we go today and we look at the inventory that's currently available and we see that there's 600 of those properties available, yes. then we know that there's... And there's 600 divided by 10. That's a lot of. Oh, did I? Did I? Get, yeah, oh, I got it wrong. I, mean, I got, that's, I got that's it wrong. See, even us, even us realtors get it wrong. No, sometimes. that's it. That's right. But you're just. But in let's a, say it's 100. Yeah. Let's say it's 100, right? So you have 10 months supply. We have 10 months supply because yes. we have 10 properties selling every month. Yes. Right? And mm-hmm. we have 100 that are currently on the market. Yes. So if nothing else happened, nothing else came if on the nothing market. Nothing new came on the market. Yeah. It would take us. 10 months, 10 months to sell, to everything sell that's there. all of the inventory. So that's what we're talking about so, when we talk month supply. Yeah. And that's your best gauge to see. Is it, that's how we determine, is it a buyer's market or a seller's market? Right. And which, so, so tell us a little bit about what's a buyer's market and what's a seller's market. Yeah. So when we go to month supply, the rule of thumb is that anything below six months is said to favor sellers. Okay. So that would be seller's market. And month supply over six months is said to favor buyers. Okay. Okay. And then generally, though, from our experience, whenever there's month supply of five to seven months, Mm -hmm. that's what we would call balanced market. Balanced. It feels balanced. There's inventory. People are buying. Everything is balanced. But when you fall below five... Then that's a hot market. That's a hot market. That's when things are selling over the market value. That's when they're selling over the comps. That's when there's bidding wars, 30 offers, you know, lines outside of open houses. And when you go over seven months, that's when you start to see that there it, buyers do have an advantage. There's more properties on the market. There's not as many selling. Buyers have more choices, more negotiating leverage. Right. So... And sellers have to probably price a little bit more conservatively or yeah. more competitively in order yeah. to get their property sold and get that interest going. Yeah, so when month supply is higher, think of it like there's 100 houses on the market and only 10 are going to sell this month. So how do you become one of those 10? Right. You have to be the best, the, the house that offers the most value, so the most value for the price. Right. And so that's how we look at it. So okay. month supply for Queens. At the end of 2020, or at, yeah, at the end of 2020, um, we had month supply of 9.3 months. Okay. So going into 2021, we have month supply of 9.1 months. So it was a buyer's market. Yes. Yeah, so that we would consider that we would classify Queens going into the year as a buyer's market. Okay. Um, now, I I ran all the numbers from every quarter of last year, and... This is was pretty revealing when you go through it. So remember what we said about the month supply for buyers and sellers market. So at the end of Q1, so that's first quarter of 2020, we had seven months supply. Okay. So that's our pre-pandemic market. Right. Seven months supply, 4,400 homes on the market. So that's a balanced market. Right. At the end of the second quarter. So this would be between March and June. Yep. At the, so this is now we're in June, right? At yeah. the end of the second quarter, we had month supply of 11.9 months. Wow. So a big jump. We went from balanced all the way to the buyer's market, and that's because of the big drop in sales. Um, and that was just because of the shutdown, I think. Yeah. But, well, I, And I think it's interesting that people were still listing their homes for sale. That's right. So people still needed to sell their homes. Yes. 
but nobody was able to buy them because they couldn't go out and see them. That's right. Yeah, that's when we started getting all creative with our yeah. video tours and yeah. Matterport tours. So month supply at the end of the second quarter was 11.9 months and 5,500 homes on the market. Yeah, so you had 1,000 more homes on the market. Yep. And then at the end of the third quarter, we kept trending upward. Month supply hit 14.2 months. And then the amount of homes on the market was 6,300. So almost another thousand that came that hit the market yeah. or inventory grew. So we went from seven months to twelve months to fourteen months supply, and you can see we were heading into a deep buyer's market. Yeah. But in the fourth quarter, we actually had sales pick up, uh, which e ate up a lot of the inventory there, and month supply dropped to nine point three months. So. It looked like we were going into a deep buyer's market, but we ended up kind of trending towards another balanced market. We'll see what it looks like at the end of the first quarter. That'll be revealing. But 9.3 months um, going into 2021, slightly in favor of buyers. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's fair to say that we're probably still in that region, right? Yeah. I mean, it's too early to tell mm -hmm. if we've gone... If it swung back in favor of sellers or to a yeah. balanced market, so w would would you say that a seller right now has to assume that it's kind of favoring buyers right now and that it's uh, nine point three months of of yeah. inventory? What what would you say if a seller was asking you that question? Yeah, right now? I mean, generally speaking, you know, almost not a lot of people are in a seller's market in Queens. Yeah. So if you're a homeowner and you know you you you're wanting ten offers, twenty offers. Most likely that's not going to happen. We're just not in that market. I mean, we were in that market four or five years ago, uh, 20 offers on a property, but um, we're not in that market. So most likely, you know, things are still moving, which is good. Um, and so, yeah, I think it, you, the expectation is that you're in a balanced market with a slight edge towards buyers, but depending on your neighborhood, real estate is local. And the thing about month supply is that you can run month supply for a specific neighborhood and you can run it for a specific property type. So the month supply for single family homes in Maspeth could be higher than the month supply for two family homes in, in Maspeth yeah, or in a store or in or another neighborhood, yeah. right? So everything is local. Dan just did comps for a single family in Maspeth where the uh, month supply, I think, was 4.5 months. Something like that, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a seller's market there. Right. But then I just ran comps for a one-bedroom co-op in Jackson Heights where month supply is 18 months. Right. So real estate is local. These are just rough numbers for the whole county. Um, but definitely keep that in mind, that it's all hyper-local. Uh, and, you know, the last two days, because mm -hmm. I've done a few valuations over the last couple of days, uh -huh. and just in doing that, it's been so eye-opening yeah. to see just how different it can, and how granular it can be, like down yeah. to like a, a property type in a particular area. So it can true. be a completely different situation. That's true. So like that house that you were talking about, for example, it's a two-bedroom in Maspeth, so it's yes. a smaller home. Mm -hmm. And you're only going to compare that to other two-bedroom homes in Maspeth. But if you look at three-bedroom homes, still a single family. Yes. You look at three-bedroom homes in Maspeth, and the inventory is completely different. Yes, it that's com very it true. moving at a completely different pace. Yeah. So it's really... that's One of the things that I want to really emphasize is how important it is 
when you do talk to a realtor and, yeah. and hopefully people are talking to us mm-hmm. that it, you really have to be so specific and so granular and really understand the market so well yeah. to come up with numbers that are meaningful because otherwise yes. like if you if you just took these county numbers yeah it's it's this is helpful to understand the overall market but when you're talking about a particular person who's trying to sell a particular property or buy a particular or buy property, a particular property yeah. this has very limited use it's yeah it's not as useful because let's say you're buying a one-bedroom co-op in jackson heights you do want to know what is the month supply because that lets you know how much how much leverage you might have in negotiations how aggressive you need to be with your offer making. Yeah. Because if there is 18 months supply, guess what? You have an edge. Yeah. You most likely, when you make that offer, you might be the only offer on the table. And that means you have leverage. On the other hand, where Dan, if if he gets this listing here. Let's hope. (laughs) Fingers crossed. uh, (laughs) Single family in Maspeth with four and a half months supply. If you're a buyer going into Maspeth looking for a single family, you might want to know that. Because that will let you know that you will most likely need to make at or above asking on that offer because yeah. there might be, there's a good chance there'll be multiple offers on it. Yep. Right. So that's how we gauge that, guys. So, month supply, the whole overall um, market report for Queens. What would be your, Dan, your uh, projection for 2021 for the year and for the first half of the year? So uh, my sense is that things are going to, quote unquote, normalize, but not get back to normal, if you know what I mean. They're not going to be back to 2019 normal or 2018 normal, but they're not going to be what we saw in 2020, where things were so drastically affected. I think you'll continue to see things improve and more activity in terms of number of sales going on mm-hmm. because there's more buyers out now, you know, now that things are opening up a little bit, mm-hmm. but we're not out of this pandemic yet. You know, there's still at least, I think the health officials are saying at least six months, yeah. if not more of this mm-hmm. pandemic, that's still as people get vaccinated and stuff. So, um, I, I think that co-ops will continue to have, trouble moving in sellers of co-ops are going to have to price very, very conservatively, I think, Mm -hmm. in order to get the activity. And I mean, I have a couple of co-op listings right now and we're seeing very little activity, even though they're priced well. Very true. Um, Same for condos. um, And I think for single family homes or, you know, one to four family homes, I think you'll continue to see good activity there. But definitely those homes that are a little larger, maybe have an extra bedroom that can be used as a home office or a recreational mm-hmm. room because people are stuck inside with each other and they yeah. need a little bit of space. Yeah. Um, so I think those will continue to do better than those homes that don't offer those things. But single family homes in general, I think, will be selling selling yeah. better. What do you think about multifamily? It's a good question. Um, I think that multifamilies where the owner is going to be an end user mm-hmm. will do better than multifamilies that are used simply as an investment property. Okay. The reason being that that end user, I mean, that's a living space that he can use or yeah. she can use or, or a family can use. Yeah. But when it's just straight up investment property, mm-hmm. you're having to deal with the invest, the, 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 the rental market. Yeah. And for most of those properties throughout Queens, especially those one to four family homes, you're talking about, you know, average condition, two mm-hmm. bedroom apartments, yeah, one bedroom apartments, three bedroom apartments, 
those tenants are all the same people that have been most severely impacted by by COVID. Right, that's the K shape. Yeah, that's yeah, the K that's shape. That's the lower if, leg of the K. Exactly. So yeah. you're talking about hourly employees, service sector yeah. employees, and those people are having a really, really tough time. And if they can't pay their rent, or if they don't, they're not, you know, they don't have the income to yeah. pay rent, then that affects the landlords. Yeah. And those small time landlords are being heavily impacted because they're not getting a break um, yeah. from the the mortgage moratorium. That's true. So and they're in a really tough situation. I I've actually been telling people. If you're looking at buying a multifamily, buy one that's occupied. Yeah, if you can already have those rents and they're paying now, then that would be more ideal. Usually yeah. you want it vacant, Usually, but yeah. in this scenario, that's true. But I do agree with all of that. I mean, I think the you know Pandora's box got opened with people actually seeing what they could afford and what they could get for the same money out, you know, just an hour drive. And with these companies allowing people to work from home, I mean, I think that's to a certain degree that's here to stay. Yeah. And that means that, you know, some of that demand might have be permanently shifted where you'll have some buyers that will go further out and have the house with the home office. You know, and it's I think a lot of the higher income jobs are the ones where they're working from home and Mm -hmm. they might continue to do that. So. I agree with you there. I think Queens is is special because we do have more space than Manhattan. We have more space than areas of Brooklyn. We have suburban areas. So I think those neighborhoods with the space, with the 30 by 100 lots, the 40 by 100 lots, the detached houses in Queens, I think those are going to do well yeah. this year, yeah. you know, especially... South Queens, Southeast Queens, Eastern Queens, those areas continue to grow and they probably will continue to do so. I think we are going to see areas in Queens where the prices go down. And I, I had one last little thought that I wanted to throw in there because we talked a lot about how slow the market had gotten yeah, and that it really was a buyer's market. And mm-hmm. we, we mentioned, uh, you know, one of us made a comment about how, you know, those, those situations of like multiple bids and bidding wars. Yeah really kind of went away. Mm-hmm. But I want to make sure that everybody knows that it doesn't mean it's impossible. Oh, yeah. No, it still happens. It still happens. And in fact, I was lucky enough to have two or three listings last year where I did have 15, 20 bids coming That's in, right. bidding wars. But the key is that the seller has to be willing to price where that will actually happen. Yes. And that can be significant. In a situation like this, that can be significantly lower than it would be in a seller's market. That's right. So, yeah, if, if the market is favoring buyers then let's say you do need to sell within the next 30 days. You can make it happen. Yeah, you just need to price a little more aggressively at market value or slightly below or more below. Yeah. And that'll do it. You know, so it's not impossible for sure. You're right there. Well, anyway, I guess that's uh, we pretty much covered it, right? Anything else that we want? I think the only thing I wanted to uh, talk about and and, uh, get your feedback on is hyper local economic conditions okay. that you think might um impact the local real estate market in Queens. I know two things that I can think of. Um one I know the New York City unemployment rate right now is over 11%. Wow, okay, I, I didn't know that. 11.3 or like close to 12, but it's <laughs> like 11 or 12%. That's really something. That's high. And that's New York City and uh in the nation it's 6.3%. So interesting. Our unemployment rate is double the, the national nation. unemployment rate. And 
I mean, there's moratoriums on evictions right now. So who knows if people aren't paying, but they can't get uh, evicted. So at some point, I think, I mean, this is all going to surface and I'm not sure how it's going to play out. But that's important to note that the unemployment rate in New York City is high. The moratorium on evictions at some point will end. And at that point, there will be a, a wave of evictions, I assume, because we even know several homeowners that uh, the tenants aren't paying. And right. sometimes, you know, there's a reason, there's hardship. And in some cases, they just say, I'm not paying because of COVID. And so I think you will see a wave of evictions. And I'm not sure how all that all plays out. What do you think? Well, I, geez, that's a tough one. Um, a wave of evictions is going to be tough for everybody. I think that's yeah. that's one thing because it's it's going to be tough on owners as well. Yep. Because if you're evicting a tenant that makes a certain amount of money in a certain sector, certain industry, mm-hmm. you've got to replace that tenant with probably somebody that looks very similar. Yeah. You know, and so. I think it's going to be. It could be that it, that ends up being really, really tough for landlords. That's true. Uh, I had a landlord call me yesterday, whose tenant is leaving. They're mm-hmm. not getting evicted, but they're leaving. And he said, "What should I rent the apartment for?" You know, because I negotiated. They negotiated the price down after they had signed the lease. Yes. Uh, they negotiated down because of COVID and everything. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, don't increase the rent because yeah. you're not going to get." You're not going to get into a demographic of tenant that is not impacted by COVID. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to rent the rate, raise the rent, you know, to the, let's say the three thousand sure. or thirty five hundred dollar range, yeah. where maybe that person is not is in an industry that is not impacted as yeah. much. So you're not going to be able to raise the rent. Yeah, you're going to have to either keep it the same or drop it even further. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a tough one. I don't know how to answer that question. I think landlords are facing landlords and tenants are facing a lot of difficulty yeah. over the next year because landlords uh, they aren't getting much help at all. No, from... it, homeowners are getting the help. Yes, large large landlords, institutional landlords mm-hmm. are probably doing okay. Yeah, but it's that that middle ground. Those small landlords that are really getting squeezed because. Yeah. They can't evict their tenants. Mm-hmm. When they do, who are they going to replace them with? Yeah. And at the same time, they're not getting any break on their mortgage. Yeah. They're still having to pay those mortgages. Um, so it's a, it's. I think that's it's one a, of those kind of conundrums that we've yeah. seen in the real estate market over the last few years mm-hmm. that doesn't have an easy solution. But I think that's where, you know, even though our projection is that things will be pretty well balanced this year that things will be moving there are some variables here that are that can impact our market yeah and the unemployment rate you know all those jobs in the service and hospitality sectors the restaurants you know how long this goes on and you know how that all plays out and the moratorium on evictions the impact on landlords and tenants you know so there are definitely things at play here that can negatively impact our market or get us back to where we were, but that's really a big unknown. So we still have big question marks for 2021 for and, sure. And we'll be doing a, a every quarter. We'll do a wrap up to see where things are going, and we'll even include that unemployment rate so we can see if it's tracking downwards uh, after every quarter. And we'll also try to get a sense of what's going on with the evictions and 
landlords, yeah. you know, because we're talking to landlords and tenants all the all time. time. Yeah. yeah. But definitely good advice there for landlords, I think, is this, you know, whatever you were getting in rent, I mean, I think you just have to come to terms with you probably will be getting less and just try to find a good, you know, good tenants and and uh, be happy that you can rent your place out again. Yeah, I mean, what I told my my uh, my client was, listen, you may end up coming out of pocket a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's better to come out of pocket a few hundred dollars than a few thousand dollars. Yeah, sure. You know, if you have a tenant, I mean, that's gold. Yeah. Even if you're even if they're paying below market, even if you're not get covering everything, mm-hmm. keep that tenant. You know, and yeah. and do what you have to, to 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 keep the tenant and get some rent because some rent's better than none. Yeah, I mean, our tenants are leaving, and uh, they bought a house in Long Island. We'll <laughs> be putting our apartment up for rent soon. Yeah, and um, uh, in our two family, and we're hoping. I'm hoping we can get what we were getting, but we're very realistic and know that we might very. Uh, we might very well have to come down, you know, yeah, lower yeah. than what we were getting. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. If you're listening to the uh, the podcast, if you're watching on YouTube, thanks very much for watching. Uh, if you like this content and you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you, uh, you hit the like button, the little thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Make sure to subscribe and hit the bell so you get notifications of all of our new episodes. Yep. We're going to try and do this more regularly than we were last year, right? That's one of our big initiatives on the team. Yeah. One of our big goals this year is to put out weekly podcasts. That yeah. way you guys can listen to us regularly absolutely <laughs> our beautiful voices and george has been very good about putting videos up on the uh, qht youtube channel every week yeah uh, i'll be putting up more content throughout the year as well so you know make sure to to, to tune in uh, but thanks very much for watching and listening and make sure to check in with us again soon for our for our next episode yep. thanks so much take care